Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Here is Durant moving on Tucker. He turns. He shoots. Yes! Talking Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association, this is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. Hello and welcome back to Pick and Pod, your favorite basketball podcast. I'm Gigi Spear, joined by Nick Feda, and here we are to break down the WNBA Finals and not only talk about NBA preseason drama, but make predictions for opening night games next week. So tonight at 9 p.m., the Chicago Sky will face off against Phoenix, Phoenix Mercury in Game 2 of the WNBA Finals. The Sky won Game 1 in this 25th um, anniversary season of the WNBA, and the Phoenix Mercury are hoping to get their first win tonight. If not, two more games, and then the Sky will be a championship team again. Nick, how are you feeling about this matchup tonight? But more importantly, what did you see from Game 1? Well, what I like is is what we talked about right before the show is it's a low seeded matchup. It's it's five and six seed teams battling out in the finals. So it's very interesting to kind of get these sort of underdog teams uh, getting going together in the finals now. Uh, what I'm looking to see, I guess, in, in game two is is more so a bounce back out of the Mercury. Uh, I think they're the more talented team. Uh, I look at really kind of their their big three almost of Brittany Griner, Skylar Diggins-Smith, and Diana Taurasi. Uh, they're three superstars, really. Um, Grinder, I think, I was, she had 20 points, six rebounds, three assists in the loss. Um, I don't know what more she could do, uh, but really I, I think you could then focus on the defense. Uh, if you look, they gave up 91 points. Uh, 77 isn't horrible, but 91 is too much. Uh, and they had six, they gave, they allowed six players on the sky to score double figures. And if you're going to have that happen, there's no way you can win. Yeah, Nick, I agree. I think that something about the WNBA that's unique um, in having 12 teams and having eight of those teams make the playoffs is it's really up in the air for who could win. I feel like early on we saw the Seattle Storm be a really dominant team. And then in the last 14 games, the Connecticut Sun earned their number one spot with 14 wins straight. And it was, it was an upset when they lost. And I think, yeah, you're right. It's a 91-77 loss for the Mercury with such great talent. I say it all the time, but they have the logo on their team in Diana Taurasi. And I felt like seeing her game one, she had the whole game in control. That being said, she did have a good amount of turnovers, especially for what we've seen from her in the past with her control over the ball. And I feel like the key for her tonight is going to be limiting those turnovers to keep being a leader. And honestly, I feel like a lot of the times, I remember her pulling up early in the game, uh, there was a foul call, but she still shot the ball too. And it was like one of those shots, it wasn't from the from the logo or anything, but it was really deep. It was a deep three and she made it a point that didn't even count. And I think that showed how locked in she is and how competitive this team could be and how much championship experience could take you far. And yeah, they're a, a relatively low seed, but I felt like it was really a toss up. Um, you had the Sun, you had the Aces, you had the Lynx, um, and then you have this Phoenix and then Chicago team. and. I would say earlier in the season that you would expect to see these two, if not the Seattle Storm, two in the final. Um, but I think we're going to see another competitive game. Yeah, it was a 91-77 win for the Chicago Sky. Um, and like you said, six players in double digits. And that's way too much. And I think that 
there is a lot of potential for offensive production from the Mercury, and we didn't really see that. Like, Griner led the way with 20 points, and then Tarasi followed with seven, Diggins Smith with 15 of her own. Um, and it wasn't really spread across the board in the same way that uh, the sky spread across the points. So yeah, I think that could be a huge key is um, keep producing offensively and take advantage of matchups that won't really work for the sky. I think we see a lot of uh, guards dropping down to double on Griner. It's key, you have to, because not only could she drive to the basket, but she shoots um, so well. So I think, yeah, taking advantage of those this mismatches and just continuing to shoot. And I think that um, we saw Courtney Vandersloot really be a catch and shoot player and a breakout player in the finals. Yeah, the 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 key I think for for the Mercury is they really had that one quarter. If you look uh, back in game one, they got outscored twenty six to ten. The rest of the game was very evenly split. Um, so they just let that kind of slip away from them, which to me shows that it is very evenly matched. Uh, it was it was a really a good game besides that second quarter where they just kind of fell apart. Um, and I kind of looked leading. there. They were leading in the second. Exactly, they were up five at the end of the first, and then mm -hmm. down eleven. If I did my math right, yeah, down mm -hmm. eleven at half, and it stayed close quarter-wise to score. But the Mercury really never chipped away enough to to cause a threat and and kind of break through. Um, and that's where you know it, it's tough for me because you look as 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 good as Diana Tarazi is, it, you could question. You know, she's thirty nine years old. She's getting up there. <laughs> how how much of it can really fall on her to kind of not only control the pace just mentally, I think that's where really she thrives and that's what she has to continue to do, but but skill set wise, how much of it can re she really just say, okay, team, let's go. And they put it, she, she puts it on her shoulders and, and kind of gets going. I think a lot of it has to be Brittany Griner. I think a lot of it has to be Diggin Smith. And then really like importantly, what you said is it has to be more people. You can't have just those three scoring. You need more points. I mean, Brianna Turner had seven, Shea Petty had nine, and no one else had more than, five points besides those two. Uh, so it's really just not spread enough where, where you can kind of hope to, I guess, combat that the attack that this guy had. It was really well balanced, really just a, a, a great showing offensively. And, and really who I have to give credit to is Candace Parker. I mean, going home back to Chicago, uh, she's 35 years old as well, kind of towards the tail end of, of her career as well. It, it's a really great sort of matchup between these two vets who are just still superstars. Uh, at, at, at such late points in their careers with Parker and Tarazi, who are really duking it out. And it's going to be interesting to see who can kind of walk away here. I think this game is a really pivotal game. Obviously, it's either 1-1 or 2-zip after this. So if the Mercury don't walk away with a, a, a win here, I think the Sky walk away as champions. Right. And I think what you said, too, even before we started recording, you didn't even know the Sky were this good. They weren't exactly. supposed to be this good. And then, nope. of course, Candace Parker came back um, to her hometown and I think, yes, of course, yeah, she put up 16, eight and three in game one. Yeah, that's gonna be a huge difference maker. But beyond that, she's a clear vocal leader along with Diana Taurasi on the opposing team. And one comparison I had in my head before the, um, the finals were finalized, really, um, I was thinking, man, it would be so nice to see Taurasi and Parker in the finals because I feel like when you have two clear superstars on any basketball roster, you're going to want them to make it to the finals and you're going to want to see them duke it out, like you said. So, yeah, I think this is crucial. I think it's like a Kobe-LeBron matchup. I think oh, this absolutely. is a crucial stepping stone for the WNBA. Um, and, yeah, game one had a lot of viewers. I think tonight at nine we'll have a lot of viewers too. Um, but
but either way it's a competitive series and it's gonna the media is gonna always say it's gonna come down to these two players even though the spreading the score was spread evenly and um across both rosters in a way um for their superstars but really Tarasi and Parker are the people who are making the difference on the court and I remember watching the Liberty play the the Mercury still in the regular season and it was a must win game um Tarasi wasn't playing that game and you could just tell it's like all right if the Liberty gonna win one game against Phoenix it's gonna be it's gonna be this one when um Tarasi isn't playing so yeah I think she she has a lot on her plate in her family life I think that we've like been aware of those storylines, her um, getting married, have a baby, all that. But she shows up and she really wants to play. And in a way, I think she would be the LeBron in the LeBron Kobe matchup because um, I love him, but he argues the foul calls all the time. <laughs> something we see from her and she gets yeah. that too. Any foul call she has against her or even um, the turnover she made or when she stepped out of bounds, she's arguing that. And she's on everybody's sweater. She's on every orange background she is the logo and you got to trust what she says to a certain extent so yeah i mean she is up there in age they both are her and parker but it's exciting to watch them play too i think they still play with the flexibility mental flexibility as of young players and inspiring them throughout the whole roster i think exactly what you said something that will never leave these players is their iq is their brains you know they're they're masters at their craft they, they're just at the top of their game mentally basically all the time um obviously when you get older maybe the physical aspects of your game can drift a bit uh but these two are the best of the best they've, they've shown it their whole career and, and the real cool part about that too is when with candace parker especially you see her go to a different team and you see the impact that she makes on her teammates uh just like a lebron or just like a kobe that it's just it's so direct and and, and set in stone that okay let's change the culture let's win. And just like that, you see both these teams in the finals. And obviously, like every matchup goes, someone's going to win. So no matter what here, I think it's just great for the league, great for the WNBA. Uh, I hope they keep getting the views because these hoopers deserve it. They go out, they play hard. uh, They play some great basketball and game two should be spectacular tonight. It should be. And I think we can see them only getting better too this game. I think 91-77. Yeah, it's um, uh, the quarters are two minutes shorter than the NBA. So it's hard to get um, consistent games over a hundred, but I think everybody will step up in, in different ways. And I think something we could see, uh, uniquely from Kim's Parker is her continuing to step up her defensive presence as well, as well as offensive in the way that she has more steals in the playoffs right now than she's had in the regular season where she might've had, um, maybe less than a steal averaged a game. Now she's averaging two steals a game easily in the, in the playoffs. So, I'm excited to see how she works. Something I am looking out for is seeing how many players for the Mercury, like you were saying earlier, are going to get over 10 points and not only be there defensively against this great offensive roster for Chicago, but having people like Shea Petty keep stepping up because I remember her, she kept pulling up for three against the Liberty in that um, first elimination game of the playoffs this year. Um, and she was owned for till the fourth quarter from three she probably she might have shot like nine threes I was like when is this girl going to stop shooting and um I think that's going to be important is her she had nine points um one rebound three assists last game so her continuing to be there defensively in a way that like a Draymond would be um 
but also to <laughs> to kind of recognize when her shot is falling when it's not and um when it might be necessary to drive to the hoop uh so yeah i think that we'll see a lot a lot of good things um someone else i want to look out for is stephanie dolson who had um 14 points one assist or actually 14 rebounds excuse me one assist and i think that um yeah seeing her change her game as well as the game goes on um could be really important for them and for the whole chicago sky roster but that being said unless you want to add anything else i think now might be time to turn our attention to the other association that being the nba and first i want to start talking about ben simmons who is now back in philly after all this drama he has held out all of training camp and 25 percent of his salary has been withheld but now he's back and doc rivers is assuming he's playing and i think although the 76ers got a preseason win against the nets Man, you have Ben Simmons on your roster. He's going to be a difference maker. I want to know what you think about this drama in general and about his return. I don't really even know what to think with him. I mean, it's it's. I think it's a little childish what he what he pulled here. It's unprofessional. Um, either or, both of those words work. Uh, you know, it's it's basically your job to go and and play. And he decided, eh, all right, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sit. I'm just gonna I'm not gonna play. You guys can handle it. Rightfully so, he deserves some of his salary to be taken away, not only because he was not there, but in my opinion, he does not deserve the money he's getting, uh, because he's really a defensive specialist and a playmaker. He's not a superstar. He doesn't deserve superstar money. He is really the responsible reason for why they did not get past the Atlanta Hawks and went to the Eastern Conference Finals last season. Uh, I mean, with that said, you can agree with him in a way, well, okay, if he's not happy, then you want to change. But the organization couldn't find anything for you that really would work because you're not as valued as you think you are, which is something I think Ben Simmons has to understand. It's, it's, it's again, obviously I'm no pro hooper, but this guy needs to, needs to kind of realize, all right, maybe I'm, I have to play a different role or I have to adjust or I have to learn how to shoot the basketball if I want people to take my game really, really seriously. Uh, the other problem I have too is the locker room. There's gonna be some problems 100%. Uh, there's no way Joel Embiid is gonna be happy with his number two guy coming back after basically saying, eh, I don't want to play with any of you guys. I don't even want to talk to you. He didn't talk to anyone in the organization since August. So that to me is really a problem, I guess, with his commitment and his his ego kind of getting in the way. And it's very just childish and unprofessional. I see what you're saying. I also think it was very strange to watch the news lines, the headlines, and not see him get traded anywhere. I feel like any time a player um, exactly. makes a claim like this, I want out. And they get out. We saw that James Harden. Um, I think it's so funny to this day uh, that he put on so much weight, and then and it disappears. He, yeah, that then he dropped it all, and now he's uh, one of the best players on the net. So, um, yeah, you got Simmons, your number one pick in 2016 draft. Maybe the ego is a little bit big, bigger than it should be. Uh, that being said, he averaged uh, 15.9 points, 8.1 rebounds, and 7.7 assists over these four seasons with the Sixers. Um, after coming out of LSU. And I mean, you're saying the locker room is going to be a problem. I completely agree. I think that what's their tagline is trust the process and you have someone not doing that. And he is supposed to be one of your best players. That must be hard. Even if Embiid is putting on a, a brave face and saying that it's okay either way, they'll be fine without him. But if he does come back, he's welcome. Um, you have other players, which 
I, in my head, they're, they're on the verge of being vets, if not their vets already. And their presence is really calming in Seth Curry and Danny Green. I think that they're just two consistent, reliable people. And that goes beyond being a player. And I think that in a way they would welcome him back with open arms if they have to. And maybe he doesn't even stick out the whole season. Maybe he gets traded later on. Um, but the 76ers, they started Joel Embiid um, in their first game. And Embiid had 14 points in his first eight minutes of the game. So he's ready. He's doing what he can do. Um, and the, the 76ers ended up getting the win, 115-104. So, yeah, they have people they could trade out, maybe people that want in more than Ben Simmons wants in right now. And the question is going to be, they want this championship. They haven't had one since 1983 in Philly. <laughs> they want one bad. And if he's going to be crucial for them, like they thought he would be when they got him in 2016, I think it's about adjusting right now and being completely all about the team, playing as much as you can, um, as hard as you can, starting in practice. Um, he missed training camp. And I think just for team camaraderie, camaraderie as well, to have someone grinding out there with you in, in summer is helpful so much. Um, so yeah, I think that's a lot to look out for. I also want to point out too, I think he is a defensive specialist. You know, to a certain extent, what you could get from certain players, like you know, Melo's not gonna not gonna play D. Um, you know, he's gonna just shoot for you, and that's gonna be it. Um, but someone like Ben Simmons, yeah, he's gonna be um, at least potentially Defensive Player of the Year again. Um, so the 76ers, they might not need him in that way. They forced the Nets to 27 turnovers in their last preseason game against them and had 20 steals of their own. So it, it, in a way, it kind of seems like they're they're fine without him right now. It, it's interesting you say that because they are still a great team. They're going to finish in the top of the Eastern Conference. Uh, maybe not the top without him, but still, they're going to make the playoffs. With Joel Embiid, I, I, I think him and Jokic, you could argue, the two best big men, switch, vice versa, whatever. But those two guys are up there. Embiid is a dominant force. He, he's, he's unstoppable really down low, and he can shoot the ball, dribble, pass, whatever. Uh, with Simmons, I really think the crucial thing is obviously the adjustment has to be both a, a physical and a mental adjustment. I, I want to see him be aggressive, and I want to see him learn to shoot the ball. I think that's very clear. Everyone needs to see him shoot to kind of gain some sort of trust uh, in his offensive game. Uh, but he he looked in that last playoff series, he looked scared. He looked timid. He did not look aggressive. He didn't look for his own takes, especially when you shoot the ball only really under the hoop. Uh, I, again, I, I can see that play over and over in my head where he passed out instead of going up over Trey Young to, I believe, tie the game or maybe take the lead uh, in the Haw against the Hawks in Game 7. Uh, so it's just that Ben Simmons can't be back is the moral of the story. He has to be a kind of new person. Who knows, maybe his little hiatus from the team will, will help that. And if it does, great. I'm happy for him. But I don't know if that time away is really what he needed. I think he really needed to kind of get in the lab with his team, get there with his guys. Because like you said, if he was there right away, these guys are going to embrace him. They're going to embrace him regardless because he's your teammate. That's what you're supposed to do as a good teammate. Uh, but if he were to be there right away and kind of maybe even take some blame, I'm not saying that's necessarily what he had to do. But if he were to take some blame or at least be there and, and just want to work, put his head down and work. It, it, it gains a lot of trust and, and, and camaraderie in that locker room where they can win games now and really not just win in the regular season, but get to the finals. This team, this process that's been going on for five, six years, maybe even seven years, 
uh, hasn't reached the finals. So that's something that really kind of needs to happen, I think, very, very soon. If it didn't happen last year and they're keeping this team together, it has to happen this year, in my opinion. Um, the East is stacked, obviously, but if, if Simmons can step up, you know, because then in, you know if they get there and they play the Nets or they play the Bucks, he's going to be guarding a Giannis. He's going to be guarding KD. It, it's that type of matchup that I want to see him rise to rather than shrink from. Because uh, if they couldn't even get past the Hawks, who are a great team, don't get me wrong, but if they couldn't get past the Hawks with that basically a really, really talented team, Tobias Harris, they added Andre Drummond, Danny Green, Seth Curry, great shooters. They have, uh, they have the team to, to build around and be a championship contender. Uh, but, but if Simmons kind of plays that same way, if this time off did not change him, I guess I would say mentally is more important to get, get out of his own head, not be his worst enemy. If, if that time didn't change him, then the Sixers are going to be in the same situation and they should just look for a trade just to get him out of there. Yeah, I wonder where he really thought he was going to. I remember talking about well, that. I don't even remember on. if he said I don't think he had a preference. You know, that's where it was weird, too. And it's like you said, usually a star asks for out and they're out within a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everyone, the Sixers are asking for too much for Simmons, which rightfully so. He's not worth three firsts and a so-and-so. It's just not really realistic. Uh, considering he hasn't really grown since his rookie year. His stats have been great, don't get me wrong, but he's been the same player since he got into the league. Uh, and it's maybe his defense has picked up a bit, but you have to see more progress from him there. And he's not a leader. He, he, he sits back, and, and I think he needs to really show that he is if he wants to get out of there, because I don't think a team wants to add him to be their guy unless he shows that, okay, I can be the guy. I have that both physically in my game and mentally to, to lead a group of, of players together to, towards a win. Right. And if he doesn't have that, maybe it's encouraging other players to do that. Like Isaiah Joe stepping up 20 points of his own, but then also guarding hard and he held him to 21, which I mean, might seem like a lot, but yeah, that's, that's um, probably just um, an easy day for him. He could do that. In week. <laughs> so um, yeah, I think at this point it's about coming back in and, being what the 76ers need not necessarily what he wants to be um and maybe that won't be changing his game drastically where he's pulling up for three um every game but i think in a way if he could turn it around and encourage other players to do what he can't and if he is distancing himself quite literally from the team even when he was on the bench um keeping seats in between him and other players that's just not great for a team that is young and wants to turn things around, wants to get the championship, wants to go up against juggernaut teams and superstar players. Um, and speaking of a superstar player, I think we also have to mention Kyrie if we're talking about de- decisions that could disrupt team camaraderie. I think this particular saga with Kyrie uh, refusing to get the vaccine and the Nets GM Sean Marks insisting on that vaccination and saying that he can't just be a part-time player. He can't just play on the road because New York has the vaccine mandate. He just can't play for the Nets right now. So I remember when this team really came together, uh, KD, Harden, Kyrie, man, they seemed unstoppable and they still didn't even get the win last year. So now you're playing without Kyrie, you lost to the 76ers and now what? What is really going to be the plan? Is it going to be admitting and um, giving in, just getting the vaccine ahead of the regular season? Or is he going to keep holding out and doing what uh, what he thinks is right? 
it's it's problematic to me because obviously it's it's a, a moral choice. It's a decision uh, that he has every right to, to make. It's it's his choice. He's an individual. Um, I I think it's a little selfish in the right word. I just don't think it's the right decision. However, I, I have to disagree with it. I mean, I think the reason why these guys didn't win last year was because, you know, the injuries. Kyrie was not healthy. Harden was not healthy. It was basically KD in the Nets, and they still almost won. They almost got past the Bucs. Um, the one thing holding this team back from winning is themselves. Uh, I think that's the, really the, the clear-cut answer. The talent, I, I think this team is way more talented than any of those Bulls teams, the Warriors teams, the Heat teams, whatever super team you want to say. Especially this year, they have, I think, a record of, of players who have made an all-star game or Paul Millsap, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, and then their big three. Uh, you know, so it's just such a talented team. And a lot of vets, too, where they work together, uh, it, it's, it's something special. But I think Kyrie, uh, he needs, again, you can't really say what he needs to do because it's his choice. If the Nets want to win, Kyrie needs to get the vaccine because he needs to play. Uh, and then, obviously, they have to hope no one gets injured. Because if he's not playing at all this season, there are a lot of other teams that could then knock them out. Uh, because it's not a full, full studded, full stacked Nets team. Uh, if they're if they're not really a hundred percent, there are teams that can beat them. They still have a chance with Harden and KD and the rest. But Kyrie is kind of again that third piece. They're supposed to be playing together. I think they only played like fifteen games last season together, and they won I think twelve or thirteen of those games. Uh, so they're dominant. They show that, but they don't. It's a very small sample size because of the injuries, because of Kyrie's mental days. He's a strange bird. I mean, you got to let him kind of do his thing if you want to get the production. But in this case, if, if you want to play in the NBA season, you have to get it. And and I really don't know. I, I don't think he's going to. I don't think he is. Uh, if he does, it's going to be probably a day before the season or he might miss the first week or two of the season to kind of really decide, all right, I need to be there for my team. Um, but if he doesn't come back the whole season because he doesn't get a vaccine, that really changes the entirety of this Nets franchise. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that he is so crucial to this team and there's a reason he's in New York. I mean, yeah, it was like in a way another coming home story, but um, them together is just so unbelievably unstoppable if he could actually play the season. And maybe he thought it was gonna work out in a way where he could play on the road games and give themselves the advantage when they're not at home but he can't and they've come together to have this superstar cast i mean you still have blake griffin on the team joe harris another og nets player and all these new pieces too and kd and and harden and not to mention other other players that were on the existing roster before so i would love to cheer for the nets and I mean, in a way, I would love to also go to some Nets games if I could figure that out, just take the train down. But um, yeah, I I think that this is a really symbolic stand for not only player independence, but more political questions that I think are deeply entrenched in sports and um, keep getting intertwined with sports. So, I mean, we're not going to do this here, but I think it could be a launching pad for a deeper conversation about um, the rights to, to athletes to do what they want. And I think it's also interesting to point out how open players are to this in a way where, yeah, of course, some people are just like, yeah, just get it, just get the vaccine. But in a way, they're, they're all respecting his decision, it seems like, because it is a decision in his mind that affects his body. Um, and 
that's kind of something that you just can't you can't speak on as a as a opposing or even player on their team. So yeah, I'm hoping he could find a way to play. That being said, they did beat the Bucks already, 119-115 in their preseason game. It will be taking them on opening night, October 19th again. And I mean, I I think that maybe it's because I'm rooting for the Lakers too. I think that not having good preseason production in a way where you're getting solid wins and kind of building your morale up in that way. I think it helps going into the regular season. I mean, 82 games is a long time. And something that always comes up as a problem with basketball, I feel like, is we make predictions way too early. And we shut teams out before we could even give them a chance. Even if a team goes ahead two games to nothing in um, conference finals or in the finals, we're like, all right, it's over. It's over for them. Like we were kind of even saying Chicago. All right, Chicago got the first win in the WNBA finals, all right, Mercury are going to have to step up and in a way we're swaying towards Chicago. So I think that I'm trying to avoid doing that this season because you're going to be proven wrong left and right, even if yep. you make a, make a safe prediction here. So um, yeah, the Nets got the win and they are 2-0 in the preseason, Bucks 0-2, um, but they're playing each other again next week. And I think it's going to be another great matchup. We had KD put up 18 points, um, Joe Harris 15, LaMarcus Aldridge 12, Javon Carter 13 in the win. And the Bucks had had 115 of their own um, with Nora putting up 30 points um, and other players producing a lot of points. It wasn't as spread out across the board as the Nets, though. And I think that is something – like we we're saying, this is a great roster. This is an unbelievable roster where everybody could score and um, even players coming off the bench or later in the game are putting up a good amount of points of their own too. So I think it's going to be a good matchup. I think that something, again, a different thing that's crucial about the about basketball in general is how much of a difference your superstar can make. So we didn't even have Giannis in that matchup um, the other day against the Nets. So we're going to be seeing him on the court. He's going to be doing what Giannis does in the same way that Embiid was doing what he does, even if he only played for eight minutes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think like the preseason is, is kind of a glimpse. Um, you know, we, we barely saw the big three of the Lakers play. Uh, it was their first game last night and they lost, but again, their, their guys only played really half the game. Uh, so it's interesting now as the season approaches, again, you look at this, everyone's going to be on the court that's active, ready to go. It, this is a really meaningful game, too, uh, as far as, I guess, dominance or, or, or assertions of who's kind of that top team in the East goes because the Nets were right there last year beating the Bucks, but they couldn't. Um, again, if Kyrie were to play, it'd be even bigger uh, circumstances, bigger standards of, of what the game would be like. But he most likely won't be there in a week. Uh, but you still have, you know, the Nets are back. They're healthy. Uh, Harden was limping through that series. They have a few more pieces. The Bucks are back, obviously the reigning champs. It should be a, f a fantastic game. I think Katie and Giannis, uh, right now at least, because of what we saw most recently, are the two top dogs in the NBA. Um, LeBron has to kind of regain that status if he wants to, <laughs> I think, take his throne back because that playoff run was, again, injury-plagued, but it was abysmal for the Lakers last year. Uh, but those two guys, Giannis and KD, are really the top dogs, and they showed in that series why they are. I think KD averaged 40 and Giannis averaged 42 or something. Um, but it's going to be, I think, right back to that intensity on opening night. 
And that's where, again, I think every league nowadays just does such a good job of scheduling the right games at the right times. I mean, what better way to introduce basketball than basically leaving it right where you left it off, uh, where the, the Bucks won because Kevin Durant's foot was too large and was on the line when he, <laughs> when he hit a shot. So it's, it's awesome to me. I think it's great for the league. I don't know who's going to win. I think it's way too early to predict those things. Um, I think the Nets should be very dominant. Again, no Kyrie changes their dominance because that's a, a third superstar taken away from them. A lot less work on Drew Holiday, too, because he's their primary defender. He'll be on Harden. Uh, but it's going to be a great game regardless. I, I think it's the perfect way to kind of welcome back the NBA season. Yeah, I completely agree. Like I said before, I mean, this is such a great matchup in a way that you can't put, you can't predict numbers right now. And I love that. And it makes me want to watch it too. And um, I mean, based on the Nets record in the preseason, yeah, you want to go for them and um, for the superstar cast that they have. But the Bucks are scrappy, even though they are consistent too. I like that they play like they're a young team and they have for a while. And in a way, I feel like that's kind of their MO. And I want to see more of that, especially against um, a superstar team like the Nets, where you might have guys slowing down on defense or not really running the floor in a way that they would be forced to if they were still trying to prove themselves. I think um, the the big names on this roster, they've all proved themselves. Yeah, they still want more championships, but they don't have to out-hustle the next person. They don't even have to play all the games because they're going to turn it on in the finals. And that being said, that always makes me think of the Lakers and LeBron, who are now 0-5 in the preseason. They lost last night to the Warriors, 111-99, and the Warriors move up to four wins in the preseason. I thought it was going to be a way closer game. Yeah, it's, it's about 10 points, but I... I was expecting a little bit more of a challenge. And it seems like earlier on in the game, in the first quarter, it was a really good back and forth. And I think another great introduction to basketball. It's our other opening night matchup next week on the 19th. Man, these Warriors, I'm so happy they're back. I hated them a couple years ago, but now I've kind of been missing them. <laughs> like I've been missing the Splash yeah. Brothers. I'm happy um, that they're going to be back on the court, hopefully together soon. Uh, we didn't even see Steph Curry play in this win. We didn't see Draymond in. Um, we didn't see Clay. So for the Warriors to get this win uh, in by at least 10 points against the Lakers. It's a little concerning if I were gullible, I would say. And if I thought every game mattered like that and every game was telling for the rest of the season. Um, I do think it is concerning that they didn't play and the Warriors still won by what they did. But the Lakers are so fun to watch too. Yeah. They're a highlight producing team. And I think that they always will be there. The Lake Show, yeah. Again, like I'm, I'm so excited for when their full teams are out on display for a full game. Uh, I, I actually watched the whole game last night, and I was very impressed with the Warriors because they really, I guess their starters were really their bench unit, and they have a lot of young, explosive guys on their bench. Jordan Poole, uh, Michael Mulder, uh, they brought back Jordan Bell. So a lot of guys that are, that are there and experienced. Avery Bradley's back uh, in the league, which I think is great fit for the Warriors. Uh, and then, of course, you're going to wait until January for Klay Thompson to come back. But that game, they didn't have Steph Curry or Draymond Green playing. And it's it's always, I mean, Steph and LeBron, or even LeBron and the Warriors, whatever you want to say, 
is always huge. It's it's always just such a headline. Uh, these are two of the more fun teams to watch in the league. I would probably say two of the top five teams that I think are just fun to watch because you have Stephen Curry on one team uh, and LeBron James on the other. Obviously, there are many other names you can throw in there, but those two, again, it's just like you say, Katie Giannis and Stephen, Le- Stephen LeBron. It's a great just way to, to market this and 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 I can't imagine the Lakers are going to blow them out because people I'm sure think they will because the Lakers are the Lakers. But if you look back to last season's start, they struggled in their opening game against the Clippers. They lost. I think the Warriors are a much more aggressive, gritty team. Uh, and in the regular season, that really is important. Steve Kerr's got those guys going 100% the whole game. And frankly, those young guys want to go 100% the whole game. That's my only doubt with the Lakers team. If uh, They will make the playoffs, just a matter of where and who they're matched up with. Because uh, they're old. It's no secret they're old. So how does the longevity last? Uh, will they get injured? How do they mold together? Is it going to be a rocky start, a rocky middle, a rocky finish? You know, there's a lot of different aspects that, that I think can kind of play into it. It's no secret they're a great team. Uh, it's just a matter of how they can kind of mesh together and stay together when they're a little more experienced, when it's a long season. Uh, and, and a team like the Warriors is, I think, equipped to beat them because they have all that shooting. And because they're kind of younger and a little more fiery where they can sneak up on you. Uh, so I think that's going to be really exciting. It's a definitely, I think we like this Warriors team, like you said, because it's a total revamp of their roster. Uh, they still have those, you know, the core three guys, but we also haven't, haven't seen Clay Thompson play in almost, almost three years at this point, mm-hmm. uh, which is nuts. I think Clay Thompson is the le- the most likable of, of the, the, I guess, Warriors dynasty. Um, and I think we'd kind of like them too now that Kevin Durant is gone. But, uh, but I think you know when, when he gets back and and if uh, please 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 can he stay healthy, uh, that team is going to be dangerous again. You know that they they almost beat the Lakers in the playing game last year. I think they deserved it if LeBron didn't hit that shot. So again, it's the NBA crafting these schedules. They know let's give the people what they want. Let's get that matchup together right away, right again. And I'm so excited for it. I might sit and watch six hours straight of basketball next <laughs> night, Tuesday night because it's just such good content. It's it's awesome. And, and that's where the NBA being back is just great. Speaking of good content, thank you all for listening. That's all the time we have for, for today. I'm Gigi Spear. And for Nick Feta, thank you so much for listening to Pick and Pod, a production of WFUB Sports. Mm-hmm.